Welcome to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, but this is the pay-per-view edition. This is me recapping Slammiversary and WWE's Money in the Bank, which happened last night. Now, if you don't want to hear spoilers, I suggest do not listen to this episode, but I'm going to give you five seconds to turn this off. Now that that has been said, if you're here, you're about to hear spoilers. For Impact Wrestling... You had Havoc and Rosemary beating Fire and Flavor, Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan to win the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Tag Team Championships. This happened when Havoc hit a tombstone on Kira Hogan and got the pinfall and got the one, two, three. After this, we had the Ultimate X match with Josh Alexander defending his Ultimate his X Division title in Ultimate X against Ace Austin, Trey Miguel, Rohit Raju, P.D. Williams, and Chris Bay. The ending sequence was Chris Bay and Josh Alexander were hanging upside down on the Ultimate X, holding the X Division title. They were playing tug of war basically for it. And Ace Austin tried to jump off the springboard off of the top rope to grab the X Division title from Chris Bay and Josh Alexander as they were playing tug of war for it. And Chris Bay and Josh Alexander lifted the X Division title more up. And basically, Ace Austin crash landed and he didn't grab nothing and as the tug of war was going josh alexander hit chris bay and chris bay let go of the belt and fell down to the ground and that left with josh alexander holding the x division title and him retaining his x division championship after this we had w morrissey beating eddie edwards whenever w morrissey grabbed a chain link out of his boot and hit eddie edwards as uh W. Morrissey was on the outside. Eddie Edwards was on the inside trying to grab W. Morrissey to get back into the ring. W. Morrissey grabbed the chain out of his boot, hit Eddie Edwards, and then he got into the ring, and then he powerbombed Eddie Edwards to get the one, two, three. After this, it was the mixed tag team match of Brian Myers and Tennille Dashwood going against Matt Cardona and his mystery partner. The mystery partner ends up to be his fiance in real life and professional wrestler Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green came out in matching attire with her fiance Matt Cardona and Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green got the win whenever Chelsea Green hit Tennille Dashwood with the unprettier and got the one, two, three. After this, we had the tag team title match of the Good Brothers and Violence by Design and Falaba and now No Way Jose. No Way Jose replaced TJP, who was supposed to be Follow Ball's partner whenever TJP got took out, and Impact Wrestling had to get Follow Ball a new tag team partner, and that's the guy that they got. And the last remaining team was Rich Swan and Willie Mack. In their fatal four-way match for the tag team titles, Good Brothers hit a magic killer on Rhino to win the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships. After this, we had Deanna Perrazzo going against a mystery opponent, for the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship. And Deanna Barraprazo ends up winning. And the mystery partner, mystery opponent was Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is a professional wrestler who signed in NWA. But she's been wrestling regularly on All Elite Wrestling. Well, she's been wrestling on All Elite Wrestling like Dark, the YouTube channel. She was on television like for the beginning part of 2021. But after her feud with Britt Baker, they had to like put her on the YouTube channel. I didn't understand why. And but anyway, Deanna Perrazzo hit the Queen's Gamut, which is basically a neutralizer on Thunder Rosa. And the neutralizer is Cesaro's finishing move in WWE. And Deanna Perrazzo got the one to three and retained her Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship. But after the match happened, you had 
Mickey James come out and Mickey James now works for the NWA and she told Deanna Perrazzo that I'm not here to challenge you for your Impact Wrestling Knockouts title. No, I'm here to give you an invitation to NWA. NWA is going to be hosting a all-females woman wrestling pay-per-view. So Mickey James wanted Deanna Perrazzo on that pay-per-view. Deanna Perrazzo says everybody wants the virtuosa. Everybody wants to have Deanna Perrazzo on their wrestling show. But Mickey James said that she respects Deanna Perrazzo and that she respects that she is the the not the longest reigning, but a good champion that she wants to leave a legacy for the knockouts championship. And Deanna Perrazzo tells Mickey that if you respect that, if you respect that, then you would leave my ring and let me have my moment. And that you would take your trash bag with you on the way out. She threw the trash bag line out because Mickey James notoriously, well, I'm not gonna say notoriously, but now famously sent out a tweet. And it was WWE's uh, giving her her personal items, I believe, in a black trash bag. And she tweeted that out because that's where they shipped to her, her items in a trash bag. And somebody got fired from WWE from that. So Deanna Perrazzo throws that little hit out there. And then you got Mickey James slapping Deanna Perrazzo across the face. So more or less, you're going to see Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo somewhere down the line in either NWA and Impact Wrestling. One of the two, or probably both, but I bet my money's probably going to be on both shows. And then after this, you have the main event of Kenny Omega beating Sammy Callahan in a no disqualification match for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. The big takeaway of this is that Kenny Omega can do hardcore matches. He can do hardcore moves in hardcore, anything hardcore related, he can do it. He did it at the beginning of this year whenever he went against John Moxley in an exploding uh, barbed wire death match, which ended in a not really a big explosion death match at all. If anything, you had the whole barbed wires, you had them doing extreme like, little things, but the death, the whole blowing up part, that didn't happen. But in this match with Sammy Callahan, they use everything. They use chairs, they use thumbnail they use thumbtacks they use tables they use a pizza cutter and they use forks you heard me right they use pizza cutter and a fork sammy callahan was trying to fork kenny omega in the forehead but kenny omega blocked that but then sammy callahan pulled out a pizza cutter and sam and kenny omega couldn't do nothing to stop it he tried his best but sammy callahan ended up slicing kenny omega's forehead and there you go. That's where you have it. Kenny Omega ends up getting the win by putting thumbtacks inside of Callahan's mouth, hit him with the V-trigger, then hit him with another V-trigger, and then he gave him a one-winged angel onto the thumbtacks, and he got the win. After this, you had Kenny Omega holding his Impact Championship, and you had the Good Brothers coming out with the Impact Tag Team titles, and you had Don Callis in the ring. They were celebrating, and then the lights go off, and then you hear Bullet Club for life. Bullet Club, just to give you a couple backstory here, Bullet Club is a group that was made up of Carl Anderson, Finn Balor, back in New Japan days. His name was Prince Devitt, Tamatanga, and Bailuck Fale. Over the years, Bullet Club got a lot of members. They had AJ Styles, they had the Young Bucks, they had Cody, they had Hangman Page, they had... 
um, Tom Tangalo, who is still in Bullet Club now. They had Jay White. They had uh, Marty Scroll. They they had an array of talent. Bullet Club was the faction that made professional wrestling hot in 2016 all the way to 2019 whenever it was like the hot uh, stable and hot faction in professional wrestling. So once you heard the Bullet Club song hit, people started getting hyped up because there's always been a little friction that Kenny Omega's had with the Bullet Club since Kenny Omega departed from the Bullet Club whenever All Elite Wrestling was announced and his contract was up with New Japan in 2019. So, once the Bullet Club whole music hit, the lights went out, you hear the song, and then you see the Titantron, and then it pops. It's Jay White. Jay White is the leader of Bullet Club. And Jay White and Kenny Omega's had these little subliminal side shots on Twitter and on their respective wrestling programs. New Japan owns the Bullet Club name and owns the Bullet Club. So, Jay White would be sending shots over to Kenny Omega during press conferences in New Japan and also post-matches after he got done wrestling in the post-match interviews. He'd be sending shots to Kenny, and Kenny and the Young Bucks will be sending shots over to Bullet Club on AEW and also on their YouTube show, Being the Elite. And the shots that you that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega will be sending were saying now they made Bullet Club hot. They made Bullet Club what it is. Without them, Bullet Club would be nothing. So, that's the whole thing with them. So now, Jay White is walking down the aisle, and he's holding his New Japan Championship, which he holds as a never-openweight championship. As he walks down the ramp, he sees Kenny Omega's others' championships, the AAA Championship, the Impact Wrestling TNA Championship, and also the AEW World Championship. Jay White walks down the ramp, he gets into the ring, and now you have Jay White, Kenny Omega, Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, and Don Callis in the ring. Kenny Omega is looking at Jay White stunned, while Don Callis, Carl Anderson, and Doc Gallows are all throwing up the too sweet hand gesture. And Kenny is just standing there looking at Jay White, seeing if he's going to throw it up or not, and Jay White's just looking at the three of them throwing up the too sweet, and that's what ends Impact Wrestling. They cut the stream and they show the impact wrestling logo a lot of people online were trying to figure out okay is jay white throwing it up did he not throw it up people were tweeting at people in live attendance to see okay what what happened because the stream got ended and what happened after the fact was as jay white continuously look at carl anderson doc gallus and don Callis throw the two sweet you had finn juice come down into the ring that's juice robinson and david finley come down to the ring and run off Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, Don Callis, Kenny Omega, and Jay White. They had them run. They had Finn Juice run those guys out of the ring. But before they can run out of the ring, you had David Finley go after Jay White in the ring. You had uh, Juice Robinson fighting Carl Anderson. Kenny Omega like weaseled himself out of the ring. You had Sammy Callahan get into the ring and fight off Doc gallows and that happened to a little brawl jay white gets out of the ring and then you have all the elite out of the ring and then you have just finn juice and sammy callahan like guarding the ring inside the ring jay white ends up sneaking back into the ring and hits 
um, David Finley with his finisher, the Blade Runner, which is basically a sister Abigail, and then Jay White sneakily gets out of the ring again. And that's how Impact Wrestling Slammiversary ended. I told you guys on last episode, episode 30.5, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, I told you that AEW was going to have an event, Firefest Night 1, and that how John Moxley was going to go against Carl Anderson for the IWGP United States Championship. I told you that you guys should be watching out for New Japan stars maybe jumping into that match or doing something at that event. I told you guys because... New Japan is having a show in August, and national quarantine rules are you got to be inside your country, and you got to quarantine yourself for about 14 days. I think America still does that now if you're traveling from an international country and coming into this country. I believe America still does that. Don't hold me to it. But off my recollection, I think they still do it. Either way, they have the show in August, and we're in about to be in the middle of, not the middle, but the end of July here. And it takes 14 days. So I already kind of suspected that, okay, somebody from New Japan should be in the States. Somebody big or their big stars in from New Japan should be in the States right now because there's no way that you're not going to have some of your stars, some of your big stars already in the States to lay out some groundwork and have people try to get invested into your show that you want to do in August in the States. I already knew this. I already had the idea that somebody should have been here. But I was right halfway. I was right that a New Japan star was going to do something this week. But I was wrong on which company. I said AEW. I didn't think Impact Wrestling. Hindsight being now 2020 and also armchair quarterbacking it, I should have thought it was going to be Impact Wrestling because Impact Wrestling has been doing this whole thing where at Slammiversary is like their big event that now since last year, since WWE released a lot of their stars, anything can happen at Slammiversary. This is literally their show that anything can happen. Free agents will be coming over to Impact Wrestling and trying to do and showcase what they can do. And people will be getting signed on Slammiversary. And also a lot of surprises will be happening on Slammiversary. So I should have said Slammiversary, but I stuck with my guns with AEW and I would still do it now. Even with the knowledge that I do know now, if I could travel back in time, my answer still would be the same. But nevertheless, Jay White did show up, a big player in New Japan, did show up to face off with Kenny Omega, a big player in both Impact Wrestling and AEW. Now, my whole question is, what is Impact going to do? And what's AEW going to do? Because AEW, I know they're going to mention somehow with Kenny Omega getting himself cut up, and somebody on the broadcast team is going to have to mention on AEW television this week how Kenny Omega was in a savage or brutal match with Sammy Callahan for the Impact title, and he had stitches from that. And I know somebody on AEW television is going to play Jay White looking and coming to Impact Wrestling and just having to stare down with Kenny Omega because there's no way the bigger company that's partnering with this little company doesn't mention how their big star from their big company went to that little promotion and did their show and they got face off with another big name talent from international wrestling. There's no way that doesn't happen and there's no way that doesn't make primetime like big broadcast television. There's no way that doesn't happen. So I suspect on AEW this week, we're going to see 
somebody or somebody on the broadcast team, or they might even show footage of Kenny Omega uh, winning the Impact title, just like little glimpse of it, but then like the big like pop of Jay White showing up in Impact Wrestling. I know Impact Wrestling is going to be showing that to death this Thursday because they're the small company and they need all the ratings that they can get. They need all the viewership and eyes that they can get to view their show. So I see that coming into fruition. And also I see more New Japan talent coming over to Impact Wrestling. And also I see Impact Wrestling talent going over to New Japan, especially that event that's going to be coming down in August. Because now that's been broadcast and also advertised for that New Japan show in August. They advertised the IWGP United States Champion John Moxley. They've advertised Jay White. They advertised the Good Brothers Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows on that show. They've advertised uh, their never, not going to say never, uh, their open weight champion for the U.S. side, Tom Lawler. They they're advertising guys for that show because they want to build up names and reputation. So what I'm getting at is this. AEW superstars are going to be at that event. Impact Wrestling superstars are going to be at that event. This is going to be, I say, the first time legitimately all three big companies are going to be in one building because you have the big stars of the Good Brothers to show up on Impact and also AEW going to be going over to New Japan's event in Austin. You have the big star of AEW, John Moxley, who has only showed up on New Japan television. He hasn't showed up on Impact Wrestling television yet. I'm still holding out for John Moxley to show up on Impact Wrestling. And I see probably even Sammy Callahan or certain other Impact Wrestling stars showing up on that New Japan show. So this will be the first time, literally, a New Japan, Impact Wrestling, and also AEW will all three big, like, three companies being on one show. I can see that happening, and with the weeks coming up for New Japan to have their show in August, I can see they're going to start having these building blocks already in each company, where New Japan start throwing up some stars over in AEW, and AEW will be promoting that show for New Japan to better up their partnership with that. And I see New Japan stars going over to Impact Wrestling, and Impact Wrestling is going to be building up that show for New Japan as well to help that strong relationship. And not to mention the Monkey Wrench, not even the Monkey Wrench, the newer company that's coming in, this whole partnership uh, via them working with Impact Wrestling, they could be working with New Japan, is NWA. NWA has been around, they got technically rebirthed again in 2019, or, yeah, 2019, and people were looking at them, I was looking at them in college, I was looking at them on my free time, watching them on my phone, and now they're on Fight TV, Fight TV is uh, another app for wrestling and but this is like for like independent wrestling and all the other no named uh independent uh shows and even independent wrestling companies and also AEW does show off and showcase their pay-per-views on Fight TV as well. Banging back to my point here, New Japan can grab NWA and join them into this fold cuz now you would think their main star Nick Aldis can also join into the fray and do something with this. But Nick Aldis is kind of boring in the ring and this wrestling. Kind of boring, but I think with him being partnered up with certain 
like superstars to make his matches much more interesting. I could see them doing something with that. But nevertheless, that's just a big old question mark. Look out for AEW this week and look out for Impact Wrestling this week. I promise you, this should be something to watch out for. Because AEW are already going to have Fire Fest 2, Fighter Fest Night 2, and you're going to already have the Texas Death Match of John Moxley and Lance Archer for the IWGB United States Championship. So you can expect a New Japan store to probably just be in the crowd or probably be backstage or even might just pop up after the match. I'm just saying, yet again, building blocks here. In Impact Wrestling, they're going to have New Japan stars on there because their pay-per-view just happened Saturday. And why not have some New Japan stars since you already got them and they were already on your show? Why not have them be up on your television broadcast? Also, I forgot to mention, Finjuice uh, had a match with uh, Shira and Madman Fulton because it was a last-minute addition to the card. And Finjuice beat Madman Fulton and Shira whenever Juice Robinson hit the Dudley Death Drop on Shira and David Finley played like guard defense, so Madman Fulton can't get back into the ring, and that's how Finjuice got the win over Madman Fulton and Shira. Now on to Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank started off with well, let me start with the pre-show. The pre-show had the Usos beating the Mysterios by pinfall whenever Jimmy rolled up Ray Mysterio, and behind the referee's back, he didn't see it. Jay put his feet on Jimmy's lower back to give Jimmy more support for the pin and they got the pinfall on the Mysterios and that's how they won the SmackDown Tag Team Championships and they are now seven time tag team champions. After this it was now time for the minute now time for the actual Money in the Bank pay-per-view to begin. For the women's Money in the Bank uh match, Nikki Ash almost superhero won the women's Money in the Bank uh Contract and let me state this Nikki Ash is the smartest, and I mean this whole sincerely, she is the smartest competitor I've ever seen in a money and bank match. Because the final closing sequence of that match was you had three ladders up there in the ring, all set up, and you had two women fighting on each ladders. You had Naomi, Asuka, Selena Vega, Tamina, uh Natalia. And who was the other one? God bless it. God, God, God. Oh, yeah, Liv Morgan. I'm so sorry. Liv Morgan fighting all on those ladders. They already, on the outside, they buried Alexa with ladders so she couldn't get back into the ring. And all six of those women were on two apiece on a ladder at the top fighting against one another. Nikki Ash got into the ring, scoot, climbed up the middle ladder, and grabbed the briefcase so easily and so and just so plain in plain in like in plain sight you can see her running up the ladder and grabbing the briefcase all up in plain sight and all the women were still fighting each other but they saw nikki ash grab the briefcase at the last second and they all stopped and then they just paused and looked at nikki as she was holding the briefcase if you watch this match you'll see exactly what i'm talking about nikki ash is literally the smartest Money in the Bank competitor I've ever seen to just win that this blatantly in their face. After this, you had AJ Styles and Omos beating the Viking Raiders whenever Omos hit his two-handed chokeslam on Eric of the Viking Raiders. 
This was a, yet again, another, this was a solid match. AJ took a lot of the beating for this match. Omos is still new to wrestling, so he still has a lot to still pick up on, but he did what he could do, and it was still fine. But again, AJ and Omos are still the Raw Tag Team Champions. After this, we had the WWE Championship match of Lashley beating Kofi Kingston whenever he applied the hurt lock and made Kofi Kingston tap out. Kofi had a good couple shots in the beginning of the match, but after about a good six minutes, it was nothing but Lashley after this. Lashley just dominated. This really took what Lashley said to MVP last Monday about him getting tired of the BS and getting back to work and getting back into the gym, and he doesn't want to be called soft. That whole thing rubbed off Bobby the wrong way, and it got him into killer mode, and there was nothing Kofi could do. Kofi tried for about a good six minutes, but at those six, it went all down here for Kofi, and it went all uphill for Lashley, because Lashley just bulldozed Kofi like it was straight up nothing. Even at one point, you had the referee literally telling Bobby, pin him pin him, and Bobby just wasn't trying to hear that. He just brutalized and just massacred Kofi. Just, I mean, it was a complete massacre after a good six minutes. After this, we had the Raw Women's Championship match of Charlotte beating Rhea Ripley by submission when Charlotte hit Rhea Ripley with the figure eight to win the Raw Women's Championship match. It started off slow. I'm not going to lie to you. It started off mighty slow. The crowd already was starting to chant, we want Becky, and Charlotte shot the bird over to the crowd, and you hear the crowd just booing Charlotte. And But I will tell you this, Charlotte ends up winning the fans over in the match, like going later in the match, whenever the match really starts picking up, and Charlotte and Rhea Ripley are actually in the ring and start doing their thing. This it took a good solid couple minutes i mean a good solid probably about a good 10 minutes to get the match right and get it to where it needed to be but once they got it there they went all the way there they started moving around you had charlotte hitting the top rope moonsault to the outside of the ring onto rhea ripley and then throwing her back in the ring you even had charlotte hit a super natural selection and that's whenever rhea ripley was standing up uh in the ring and charlotte flair was on the top rope and then she hit a reverse, basically a blockbuster onto Rhea Ripley, which is basically the natural selection. And she, and I thought, okay, this was in. That was a game. One, two, three. Nope. Charlotte Flair did not get the one, two, three off of that. Rhea Ripley kicked out. So Charlotte Flair ends up putting Rhea Ripley's legs in between the steel steps and the uh, ring post. And she kicks the steps into Rhea Ripley's leg. And you, see Rhea Ripley just yelling out in agony, and then you see Charlotte do it again. She does it about a good two more times, and then she locks in the figure eight inside the ring, and Rhea Ripley held on for about a good two solid minutes inside that finishing maneuver, inside that submission hold, but she ends up tapping out, and Charlotte is now the new Raw Women's Champion. I predicted that, and I'm going to give you uh, the numbers of how many I was right and how many I was wrong at the end of this whole uh recap of Money in the Bank for both Slammiversary and Money in the Bank. And then after this, we had the men's Money in the Bank match when we had Big E, praise be the God, Big E, big, big old Big E, win the Money in the Bank briefcase. I was excited. I couldn't be more happy to be wrong. I tweeted that out. Boy, was I 
I I was so happy to be wrong. I was so happy to be wrong and actually have my prediction be wrong. Matt Riddle, I was cool with winning, but deep down inside, I wanted Big E to win because, man, oh boy, it's been Big E's time. And everybody has been saying Big E should be going after the main title. Big E should be going after the main title. Why is he wasting his time with the tag team or the secondary titles? Why not go after the main title? Well, we're going to be getting our answer now. We have now, they have, WWE has finally listened, and we're going to be getting Big E literally slotted into the main event picture now, because anytime he wants to cash in that Money in the Bank briefcase on the world champion, at any time, he could be world champion. That's usually how that briefcase works. So, Big E now is Mr. Money in the Bank, and this Money in the Bank match was fine, it was dandy, yet again, it was just like, it's it was almost the same thing with the Rhea Ripley and Charlotte match. At the beginning, it took some time to get to. I, For me, it felt that way. I'm not sure how it felt for other people, but for me, it felt that way. But before I even get into that, by God, Peacock was having some problems. Literally, after the women's match and he got to commercial, it starts fritzing out. It started to have his own little like spasm attack. I started to get upset because I thought it was my internet company literally playing with me because usually from time to time whenever I'm watching like a pay-per-view it kind of spritz out on me and then I gotta exit out of the app and then pop right back in and usually it's just usually my internet messing with me from time to time but this time I went to Twitter and I was having like okay this is getting ridiculous I went to Twitter to see if I was the only person and no there was users all on Twitter complaining about Peacock and that even trended on my Twitter just start trending of Peacock, and I knew exactly what it was as soon as I looked at it. People were getting vicious with Peacock, saying, boy, oh boy, it is booty. WWE made a horrible mistake signing with Peacock. They made a horrible mistake selling their library over to Peacock. I mean, just people just getting fouled with Peacock. Anyway, give them about a good, straight, solid four minutes. It took them four minutes to fix the issue, but the issue was fixed. You had to exit out the app and go right back in. And then I start watching the men's Money in the Bank match. It was slow at the beginning, but then when they started getting rampant, it started getting good. You had Drew McIntyre almost winning the Money in the Bank briefcase, but you had Indy Shear and Jinder Mahal coming out to beat up on Drew McIntyre. It got so bad that Jinder started to lay in shots with a steel chair to Drew McIntyre's back, like, constantly. And then you had Jinder telling both members of Indy Shear to bring Jinder Mahal, not Jinder Mahal, Jin, uh, Drew McIntyre to the back. And that eliminated Drew McIntyre completely out of the match. So Drew McIntyre, you knew after we saw him get dragged off to the back, he wasn't coming back out. He was done. So that automatically left seven other participants in that ring. You had Kevin Owens going through a ladder. You had Seth Rollins, almost about to unhook and then Big E comes to grab him and hits him from a big ending off of like the sixth step of the ladder onto the uh, mat in the ring. And then you have Big E going up to the top and unclipping that briefcase off the hook. And you had that whole air arena start screaming and it was a big sonic shock <clears throat> of people just being so excited for Big E because this is what we all have been waiting for, for Big E to finally get his just due, for Big E to get into the main event picture. And this is what we have been waiting for. 
now it's main event time. Now you have Roman Reigns putting up his universal title against Edge. And for the love of God, this match was all right. This match was good. It was. It didn't live up to what I expected it to be until yet again. The last closing minutes of this match is whenever a lot of the key action, the key elements start picking up. And I don't know what it is with WWE not wanting to go all just balls to the walls crazy with their matches. Like with the main event. I think the main event should be, yes, you should have some slow main events you, to build it up into like the bigger like moon, moon, like moves to be hitting in the match. I understand why certain wrestlers do that with like their big matches because some of the wrestlers can't do like just constantly just go, go, go. I understand that. But with this few from Edge and Roman Reigns, this match should have been go, go, go from the beginning to the end. We had ref bumps in this match. We had Roman missing the spear on the outside and he hits the barricade and busts the barricade open. You had Edge coming inside the ring and telling the referee, don't count Roman out. And the referee still counts and he's out to count to eight. And then Edge has to get out of the ring. And then he runs up to Roman and spears Roman into the crowd. And then you have Edge bringing up Roman and throwing him back into the ring. And then you had another, no, no, you had the ref bump. This is after that, of uh, the referee going down. And then you had the Usos coming out and the Usos about to interfere in the match. But you had the Mysterios coming out to make sure that the Usos don't interfere in the match. And it's still down to Edge and Roman Reigns. You had Roman Reigns going to get the piece of the chair. Uh, well, he broke off a piece of the chair to try to hit Edge with the crossface that Edge has constantly been doing to Roman Reigns and his family for the past weeks. Constantly. He tried to do it. Didn't happen. Edge locks in the crossface with the steel chair piece. Then you had Seth Rollins popping out of the crowd to hit Edge in the head. Seth Rollins earlier in the night. Well, no. After, before the match began, they had a backstage promo of Seth Rollins talking about how he shouldn't have even been in the Money in the Bank ladder match he should have been in the main event facing Roman Reigns for the universal title and then he realized and he started figuring out in his head okay I gotta go I gotta I gotta change up the plan I gotta change up the plan and then he said it point blank next person that wins the universal title I don't care if it's Roman Reigns or Edge I have them at SummerSlam that they're mine I don't care who wins the universal title is mine I'm next so you had Roman like you had Seth Rollins coming out and hitting Edge in the head while Edge is already locking in that cross face on Roman Reigns. And now you have Roman and Edge both laid out in the ring. And then you have Roman getting up to the corner and about to spear Edge. And then Edge spears Roman in this instance. And then you have Edge literally pins Roman. And there's no referee around. And the crowd is so alive. And they just start counting. One, two. You see Roman kick out. Remember, mind you, there's no referee at all at this point. And you see Roman kick out. And then as soon as Roman kicks out, you get about a good point seven seconds. And the camera flashes over, hits a camera cut to a referee coming down. And then you see Edge pinning Roman again. And they do the exact same thing. And now you have the referee literally counting one, two. And you had Roman kick out. That shows you the WWE fans were so alive for these final moments of this match that he even tricked Roman Reigns, the performer, to kick out at two. 
whenever there was no referee involved or whenever that count happened. That was just a little side note for you. Getting after that, you had, again, the referee is now in there, and I believe he is taken out by, I don't know if it's by Edge or, no, 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 he's not taken out by Edge, no, because after Edge hits the spear on this and they do the whole pinfall deal, Edge gets back up and he's about to hit Roman Reigns again with the spear, and he is in the corner and he set it up for a spear. And then you see Rollins run back to the ring and he gets on the apron and he distracts Edge. And Edge runs over to Rollins, about to hit Rollins, and Rollins jumps down. And then you see Roman Reigns come from behind Edge and just spears him and gets the win of one, two, three. Pins Edge and gets the pinfall, and, and Roman Reigns is still your Universal Champion. Seth Rollins rolls into the ring. He beats up on Edge, and then he gets in Roman Reigns' face, and he tells him, I'm next for that Universal title. If it wasn't for me, Edge will be the Universal Champion right now. So you have me to thank for you being Universal Champion. You don't run this. I run this. And as soon as he says, I run this, Edge gets up and starts beating up on Rollins, and now you have Rollins and Edge fighting on the outside, and you see Edge throws Rollins behind the barricade, and now you have Roman in the ring by himself, and Paul Heyman is on the apron, and Roman tells Paul to get him a mic. Paul gives Roman a mic, he hands him his universal title, and Roman says, I am your tribal chief. And I'm going to have you all acknowledge me. At this moment, I thought Big E was going to come out and cash in. I was so sitting at the edge of my seat, just so hyped up. And I was saying, okay, come on, Big E. Come on. Come out. Come out. Come out. Big E doesn't come out, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. You have Hollywood, Big Match, John Cena come out. And the whole crowd goes berserk. That whole crowd goes bananas when you hear the trumpet sound, the whole, the you hear all that go off. And that's the usual indication of Cena's song about to hit. And then you hear the whoop doom And then you hear all that garbage of Cena's song. Hey, that sounds a good song, but I can't mimic the feeling and the sounds of his song. So. You hear that go off, and then you see the t-shirt design hit the Titantron. You see John Cena come out. His music's blasting. The crowd is so energized and so just making a lot of sounds. You see John Cena dap up the camera guy. You see him just play to the camera folks and just say, I'm so glad I missed you. And he points at the camera. I missed you talking to the people at home. And he points to the fans. I miss all of you. And then he runs into the ring, and then he stares down Roman, and you see that he's eyeing at the Universal title. So now you have the indication that we're going to get a John Cena versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title, more or less at SummerSlam. So I already see it now. We're going to get Roman and John Cena at SummerSlam, and we're going to get Edge and Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. That's the only way it's going to happen. Only way. And also, SummerSlam's on the 21st of August, which is a Saturday. Weird to me, but I hope they explain it more down the line or hope more news come out down the line. But anyway, that was your Money in the Bank recap. The big takeaways Big E is Mr. Money in the Bank. Nikki Ash is also 
miss Money in the Bank. And Roman Reigns is still your Universal Champion, and Bobby Lashley is still your WWE Champion. Now, for my rights and wrongs, Impact Wrestling, I got five right and three wrong. And for my Money in the Bank predictions, I got five right and two wrong. The only two wrongs that I got for the Money in the Bank, which is are crucial, are the two Money in the Bank matches. Those are the only two matches I did get wrong, but hey, I'm cool with that. That has been your recap of Slammiversary and Money in the Bank. I hope you enjoyed it. I want you guys to watch uh, both of these pay-per-view events if you can, but if you can't, I would suggest, me personally, and there's no disrespect to Impact Wrestling, because Impact Wrestling is doing their job, they're doing their thing, they're trying to be back on the come-ups, because live audiences are back, and they did also have a live audience at Slammiversary, but if you can, go watch Money in the Bank. I'm pretty sure WWE's gonna already have the glitches removed off of the pay-per-view whenever you do catch the pay-per-view again on Peacock, but... Go watch Money in the Bank. It's going to be a good watch. It, I believe it's about a good uh, two hours or even three hour like pay-per-view. But it's a good watch just for you to watch. And you will see these matches that I was talking about. They're great matches. But again, this has been my recap of Slammiversary and Money in the Bank. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, until you hear from this voice again, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week Pay-Per-View Edition presented by G2. And have a great rest of your day and the rest of your week until you hear from me again. Bye-bye for now. I'm tired, you tired, Jesus wept.